I'm going to try this again for all of you horse people. Um, I guess I broke the sound barrier. I got out of the chute a little early, but no harm in that. It's an honor to be with you today. My name is Brent Lively, and my wife, Sharda, is... Would you please stand up, Sharda? We're so glad to be here, and uh, it is an honor. I actually have uh, been with you before. Um, I, we've lived here for about five months, and so back in May, I joined Chris. I came to hear Chris preach on a Sunday morning, and it was uh, great to be with you. Um, so what a joy to be in the house of God and to be able to preach the gospel because it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. And so I thought I would start off this morning. Uh, as you know, I'm preaching from Matthew, if you want to turn in your Bibles, chapter 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. And I'm preaching from the NIV. I found out at the last minute that many of you have the ESV. My apologies, but uh, they're fairly close, so we'll just do the best that we can. But I would like to begin with a little bit of humor. A church member called his pastor up very angry on a Monday morning. Pastor, he said, I tried to get you on Friday, but you weren't in. It's my day off, the pastor replied. Day off, the church member stormed. The devil never has a day off. The pastor replied, well, if I didn't have a day off, I'd be just like him too. <laughs> we need to enter the rest of Christ. And what that means for us as Christians is that Jesus is inviting us to come to him. It's an inv invitation to discipleship. And my message this morning is going to focus on how the rest that Christ offers those who come to him is a life of learning and becoming like Christ, being formed in his identity and character and resulting in finding true life and rest for the soul. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that gives us true and abundant life. And we pray that this message would give you glory and bring about transformation for every person, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to your church and that we will respond, that the word would go into good soil and bring and develop and grow into a mighty harvest of righteousness. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ. Amen. 
Well, I would like to begin by sharing with you a little bit about my story. As I uh, mentioned, I do know Chris. We work uh, at Mercy Hospital. I'm a full-time associate chaplain there. Um, I never planned on being a chaplain. It's, uh, it's quite a story. I don't have time to go into it today. I actually pastored for many years. My wife and I have pastored churches um, across the Southwest and Midwest. And so, um, but by a strange set of circumstances, circumstances uh, right before the pandemic, um, I have, was in transition from a church and the pandemic took place and I ended up helping out at a hospital and ended up being there full time as a mental health specialist. And so I, um, what I'm about to share with you is really from, uh, deeply from my heart because I have experienced transformation from and through Jesus Christ and in the context of being in community, Christian community, I have experienced um, what I consider a complete change and in terms of finding God's rest and what it means to truly rest in him. So I'll begin with just saying that uh, for me, I woke up one morning at the age of 42, and I don't know how many 40-year-olds do we have in here this morning. So we have some of you. It's a pretty busy time in life, isn't it? And uh, we were really busy. We were planting a church in Las Vegas. And let me tell you, I worked seven days a week. I mean, I never really had a day off. I was constantly um, planning, organizing. Even on my day off, I was, con- I was thinking about the church and about what we needed to do. And there was just so much that needed to be done. But on this particular morning... I think it was an August morning. It was super hot. Uh, Vegas is, you know, hot at that time of year. And I could not get out of bed. And I didn't have the flu. I didn't have, as far as I knew, any type of physical illness. But I was so weak and so fatigued I couldn't move. So I called to my wife. She was in the other room in the kitchen making breakfast. And she didn't know how to help me. She didn't understand what was wrong. But I knew that something was deeply wrong. And so I finally got enough, mustered up enough strength to get up. But I can tell you, I felt so weak and fatigued. I felt like someone with COVID, and who also just had a chemo treatment. I finally managed to get into the living room and picked up the phone, and I called the pastor of our regional group of churches and said, I'm in trouble. I don't know what's wrong, but I'm really, really not well. And he said, well, I want you to get to see a, I want you to see a, a physician as soon as possible, and also a counselor. And so I did exactly what he had asked me to do. And what I, what resulted and what I found, the results were shocking. (laughs) So 
what I ended up finding out is that I wasn't physically ill at all. There was, I was in good health. I swam every week. I walked several miles every day. Um, I was in good shape as a 42-year-old male. But what I found out next, especially from the counselor, is that I was experiencing what is called burnout. And it was, it was quite a journey. And I struggled with uh, that burnout for, I wish I could tell you it was only a year or maybe a year and a half, but it was actually for several years of recovery that it, it, it really was difficult, a difficult time. So what I want to share with you now is what I learned and how that growth process occurred. I'm going to share with you from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, what God spoke into my life, and I hope that you will also receive it. So I'm going to actually read the scripture again, and if you would read along with me, I'm reading from, if you want to just follow the screen, Jesus said to his disciples, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's important that we begin this message by providing some foundation. So I'm actually going to start in Genesis. And I want us to look at the Sabbath intention, explain what that is by simply reading from Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. What we find in this passage is the creation narrative, and what God is showing us and revealing to us is incredibly important in terms of laying a foundation for understanding what Jesus speaks about and what Jesus declared in Matthew 11. And what he's saying, God is saying to us, that he himself rested on the seventh day. God, in all of his godness, is revealing to all of humankind that he himself entered into rest and thereby sanctified the seventh day. He set it apart. He he said, this day is holy. 
And so forever, in, in a duration of time, that all of my people will be able to enter into my rest. And as many of you know that have studied the Old Testament and who might understand um, the his- history of Judaism would know that the Sabbath has a profound influence and in shaping of the entire history of Judaism and also the Old Testament. Now, so God sanctified the seventh day, but he also established a Sabbath command. He says in Deuteronomy 5, verses 12, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. And what this passage is saying is that God is giving them a command through Moses. He's establishing his law. He's showing them, this is the way I want you to live. It's different than all the other countries or peoples or nations in the world. And the reason One of the reasons I'm giving this to you is not to burden you with a life of laws that you can't live up to. No, my my purpose in this is to set you free so that you will experience liberation from the idols of this world, the systems of this world that can destroy you. And so what we find in the history of God's people is that God established through the Ten Commandments, uh, through the law, the giving of the law through Moses, and we certainly know that one of the Ten Commandments is to honor the Sabbath day because it is holy. And what God was really saying all through that was that it was an invitation to come out of bondage, to come out of slavery, to come out of the world and enter his rest. And so now we find that the the invitation from Jesus is an invitation to himself for those who are weary and heavy laden And so we can imagine who he's talking to here. People who were law burdened. People who had received the law, but by this point in history had turned the Sabbath into something it was never designed to be. There were hundreds of rabbinic laws regarding Sabbath restrictions, things that you could not do to the point that it was hard to even experience joy on the Sabbath. There was also the culture burdened, people that grew up in a culture that seemed to just stifle them, restrict them. And then there were the sin burdened, 
And that would be all of those like us who fall short of the glory of God and who need desperately God's grace to be able to live out the gospel. And last, there were the work burden. People like me that just get caught up in the life of busyness in a culture that promotes and rewards accomplishments and acquiring possessions and things, degrees, and you name it. You get the picture. And I think that it is important for us to hear the Lord speaking to us this morning, calling to us, Come to me, says Jesus, and I will give you rest. He actually makes it very clear that there are some dangers out there and sometimes amongst us that we need to be set free from. Matthew 23, 4, they, t- they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with, such, with so much as a finger. Jesus is talking about all the religious things that go on, that the trappings where the enemy tries to entrap us and really ultimately get us to move down the path of works righteousness, right? At the Jerusalem Council, Peter noted that the Judaizers were trying to put a yoke on believers. In other words, they were actually people within the church trying to get the Christians to go back under the law. Which here the scripture says in Acts 15.10, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. The apostles themselves saw the problem and they realized if we go back under the law, we're going to be, we can't even bear these burdens. Basically, in short, we need Christ. And he is our liberator. And he gives us, he takes from us an old yoke of slavery, bondage, to all of these entrapments, and in place he gives us a new yoke. And this new yoke is a yoke that he himself is in with us. So for those of you that don't know what a yoke is, I mean, this is a more rural area. You might have seen some of the farms, but where we came from in Indiana, we saw this often because we lived in the second largest Amish population in the country. And so we saw all types of horses and oxen being hitched up through yokes being placed on them so that they could pull the wagons or the plows. And so I want you to know that this is a yoke that Jesus gives to us. And it's Basically, a yoke that leads us into discipleship. And it's the life of discipleship that brings us into 
rest. Because apart from discipleship to Jesus, we won't grow. We won't get delivered. We won't know how to live. And we won't know how to be in Christian community. And I love how Jesus did not come to abolish the law of Moses, but actually to fulfill it. And so the first thing I want to begin with today and what Jesus is saying in this passage is that his yoke is for learning. So when Jesus says his yoke is for learning, come and learn from me. This is an invitation to all believers to live a life of learning. Learning to become like him. Learning to be formed in his character and also his identity. And what results from that is a life of true rest. And I'm not talking about the rest of leisure because there is a type of rest that is leisure, time that we have to do whatever we want. And there's also the type of rest that we experience when we're on vacation, which we all, I'm sure, love. But the rest that I'm talking about is different. This is a rest that is spiritual. And it's a rest that empowers us and renews us so that we can live a renewed life. This life of learning, um, Jesus says actually in the, in the word in the Greek, learn from me, is a word, manthano. And it's very similar to the, the word um, methetes. And methetes means discipleship. In other words, I want you to learn from me. I want you to not just be a student like go to college or uh, go through a program, but I want you to live with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to do, I want you to go with me and I want you to learn how I'm, what I'm doing and then I want you to do it. I want you to practice it. And so really what the word means, Matheneo and Methetes, what he's getting to here is that I'm calling my church to apprenticeship. I want you to be my apprentice. I want you to learn to practice so that you learn the unforced rhythms of life. So that you learn from me how I got a way to be with the Father, how I took time to be alone with the Father, and how I took time to rest. And we also need to know that this is a, a type of, the word means submission. That it is something that we have to submit to Christ to learn this. In other words, he's calling us to a life of obedience. 
It's not a life of when you get around to it, when you feel like it. It's a life of radical obedience to Jesus. And I love how this congregation, you are being formed. I have learned a little bit about you through Chris, um, how you're doing and growing and coming alongside and allowing Jesus to give you his yoke. And I love hearing about your growth as a community of Christ. And out of this life of obedience, we begin to develop a rhythm. So, the second... Well, let me stop there, and I'm just going to say that learning... Um, sometimes there's some things that we have to unlearn. I remember uh, learning how to play the violin at age nine. And I, I didn't have a teacher at first, and I was determined I could learn on my own, and I developed a lot of bad habits. I mean, I learned to hold the violin, the, the fiddle wrong. I learned to hold the bow wrong. And by the time my parents got me a teacher, I, was, I wanted to quit. <laughs> This was hard. I'm having to unlearn some things. How many of you have had to unlearn some things? My wife and I call it burn and learn. There's just some things that you have to unlearn. And I think about, for us, you know, what are the things that we need to unlearn, that we've learned from our culture? For me, it was unlearning all that I had learned as a pastor, I never knew how to rest. I don't ever remember ever hearing a sermon about rest. I never really remember studying deeply about the Sabbath. I just thought the expectations on me were to produce, to reach as many people as we could with whatever means we had. What about you? Some things that we need to unlearn in our culture, I can tell you one of them. I think we need to unlearn Sabbath resistance. We are living in a culture now that is largely resistant to the Sabbath. Now, I don't have time to preach a message on how we live out the Sabbath and all that, I'd be happy to come back and do that another time. But just suffice to say that even as Christians, historically, going back to the apostles, we have observed one day of every week. And much of the church determined that that day would be Sunday, which it was before Friday to Saturday, but the church changed it because of the resurrection of Christ. So on the Lord's Day, according to the Gospels and the Epistles, we gather on Sunday. And so I think that we might have some things we'll have to unlearn 
if we will obey Christ. And secondly, we need to know that Jesus' yoke is gentle. This is not a harsh yoke. This fits perfectly. I mean, if you were an ox or if you were a horse and you had this yoke placed on you, it would feel like it was designed for you, like someone took the time to actually design it and and make it just for your, your body build. See, that's how Christ is so amazing. He knows exactly how to disciple you. And he knows exactly what you can handle. He knows exactly what, how much you... He knows how to make it comfortable. Not comfort Christianity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how to fit something to you so that you can actually pull. And he's gentle about it. It's his character. He said, I am gentle. He, he described himself so clearly in this passage. I am gentle and humble in heart. And so a good yoke is one that is crafted where there is minimal discomfort. And that this also lets us know that it's that it's important for us to become more gentle in a culture that is increasingly becoming more brutal. How many of you are experiencing right now the brutality of our world? It can be awful. And how about the behavior of people we, people in our families, people we work with, How about us sometimes? We're having a hard time not being formed by the culture. And so the question I have for us this morning is how are we going to escape this this brutality that we see around us, this rage, anger, contempt, disrespect, Rest. We've got to come back to the age-old foundations. We have to rediscover Jesus' yoke of rest. How to rest. We have to learn to live a new rhythm of rest. Or we might burn out. Or worse, we might quit. And I think about it is gentle. I remember growing up and um, I loved Mr. Rogers watching the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood show. But I didn't want anyone to know that I watched it. Because I was a tough cowboy kid and football player. And, but secretly, even at age 17, I would go home after school and watch Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Something was connecting with that show. And I, I tell you what I think it is, is that he had a, a character of gentleness and humility that I didn't see. And I was being called to it. Now, I realize that looks differently on different men. There's, you've got your 
different types of men, different types of women. But we are all called to the same gospel, the same character and likeness of Christ. And that character is gentle. So when you find yourself not being gentle, being harsh, being angry, hey, we can't live angry. Sometimes I have to tell myself that. Brent, you can't live angry. You have to deal with this anger that's in you. And that's exactly what we have to do. We have to recognize it first. And that's one thing that I hope that you will get out of this message is that we need to start recognizing what's going on inside of us. And if we keep ourselves so busy and so active and there's no, no, so, no cessation of activity, in other words, we don't ever have any stop. That's what Sabaoth means in Hebrew. It means that God stopped everything, the entire universe, and rested. And that's what it means for us. It means stop. So we can do this because we've had those who've gone before us and they were able to do it so we can do it too. And that's why I want to move to the next thing that Jesus says in this passage is that his yoke is easy. He makes it easy. And you know, I've studied the, the Greek word for easy and it actually means easy. <laughs> the word is Christos and it means when something, his yoke, is suitable and kind. There's a kindness to it. Wasn't Jesus saying this all along, even in Jeremiah 6.16, when he said, Stand at the crossroads, prophet Jeremiah speaking to his people, and look and see where the good way lies and walk in it. And find rest for your souls. Wasn't God saying the same thing all along? Absolutely. He was saying, this is the way. This is the way to walk in it. It's the ancient paths. And you will find the good way. Two weeks ago, my oldest son, we were going to take him to Phoenix to start a program, a certification program as an audio engineer. And we got the whole car packed up. We were packing in the car. You know how you can pack for hours, especially um, people who love packing and planning, <laughs> like me. And you know what? We got to the end of the afternoon, and it was time to pretty much load up the dog and go. We were so looking forward to this trip, to go um, to Phoenix, to see my wife's family. And all of a sudden, it dawned on us that there was no room for me <laughs> or the dog. And so the next thing I experienced was my, my oldest son, who was quite the, quite the mama's boy, mama's, mama's man, but he chose his mother. 
And you know, at first I was felt kind of hurt. You ever feel like that? He's like, you know, someone's not able to go. And I was really looking forward to this. But I'm telling you, God had it orchestrated. Because this chaplain needed to stay home. You know what I needed more than anything? You know what the good way for me was? I needed some time alone with God. And not just an hour. I needed just a couple of days to just read my Bible and be able to go for walks and, and not have any responsibility. You don't want to know what I cooked for myself. But I survived it. But let me tell you, something even greater happened. I found the good way. And I got refreshed. And I needed to slow down. I needed what I thought I wanted was very different than what I needed. So it was turned out okay. And I want you to hear this. You're going to be okay. I'm not just trying to make you feel good. I'm saying if you keep following Jesus and you keep taking up his yoke and you keep be becoming his disciple in the context of this community... You're going to be okay. You're going to learn. You're going to get it. Leviticus, going back to the Old Testament again. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you. Here comes all the promises. And my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God. And you shall be my people. And I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. See, there's the slavery again. Don't go back to it. So that you would not be their slaves. God doesn't want us to be anyone's slaves. And I broke the bars of your yoke. Oh, that's one of my favorite passages. He breaks the bars of the yoke off of us. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, that wicked yoke that just runs you into the ground. And sometimes of our own doing, and he will make us walk erect. And he goes on to even say that we will ride on the heights of the mountains. Incredible metaphors, beautiful imagery, talking about how amazing of a life we can live in him. So what are we enslaved to today? Perhaps we, we're enslaved to a culture that never rests. Perhaps we're enslaved to a work ethic that God maybe never intended for us. Maybe we're enslaved to goals and dreams of, that really is not attainable without consequences. I stand before you today. I wish I could tell you that I've got this down. I do not. I still struggle. I still try to figure out how to live this out. And 
I still am a very quite accomplished individual. I still have all kinds of goals. But I'm not going back to slavery. Oh, no, no, no. Thank God for the law of grace and truth that Jesus Christ will not leave us in that bondage and depravity, but he brings us out of it, right? We're saved through grace, by his grace through faith, and this brings us into a new covenant relationship that now it's possible to live differently than everyone else in the world. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I'll close with this. Don't forget that Jesus' yoke is also light. It's not heavy. He promises to deliver us from those of us who are the law-burdened, Works righteous. We're working so hard to try to get it all right, get it all done. And also the culture burdened, the sin burdened, and the work burdened. And I love this passage from the message, which is a paraphrase. Uh, paraphrase of Matthew eleven twenty eight, but I'd like to read it with you. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay any heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I can tell you that I did receive, and you, I pray, have received this new yoke. <laughs> and for me, it, it really started with learning how to slow down. And that's not easily done, is it? But it's also, it also requires, if you're going to learn how to rest, letting go. Letting go of all of your list of things that you feel like you need to get done or things that you just simply want to do. And I would like to challenge you as a congregation to think deeply about this message this week by thinking about how is the Lord wanting you to slow down? And if you're going to slow down, how are you going to do it? What are you going to let go of? Because you cannot do it all and you cannot have it all. I wish I could tell you that I, you know, as I said earlier, learned this within a couple of years, but I've been on a journey 
And it has been an amazing journey of learning how to rest, how to put down my work. And I can tell you, on Saturday evenings, I have to put my laptop away, you know, and Saturday afternoon we start getting the house clean so we don't have to clean it on Sunday. I pretty much have to really work at this because to my natural self, left to my natural self, I'm pretty much kind of OCD. I just won't stop. But I'm learning the unforced rhythms of grace, and I pray that you will want to learn them too. Once you taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll never want to go back to Egypt. So, I'll close now with just something to think about. If Christ has provided a new yoke, what is he calling you to do? And if his new yoke is characterized by discipleship and being in Christian community, in other words, we can't live this alone, it's learned in the context of community, what does he want us to do? And last, if we're going to live a life of rest, it begins with repentance. To repent of our sin and living apart from the will of God. So I thought it would be appropriate today if I could just close with a prayer of repentance so that we could have a restart and say, Lord, I want to follow you, and I cannot do this on my own. I need Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask for your help now through the Holy Spirit to live the new life in Jesus, to become your disciple And I pray for anyone here this morning that has not decided to follow Jesus. And if that's something that you've been wrestling with and you have been torn and tossed, but today it's become more clear to you than ever that this is the life he's calling you to live, then I invite you at the end of the service to come up and I will be happy to lead you in a prayer of repentance and a prayer of receiving Christ as your Savior. And for all of us that are here that have received Christ and we know him, that today would be a day of recommitment to live a new life and to come out of the darkness, to come out of those idols and to forsake them because that life of the world is not for us. And we pray that Christ himself will lead us and this congregation into paths of righteousness so that we can reach this community with the love of Jesus and to bring people into the relationship with Christ that will set them free from bondage and death. And so we just want to say, Lord, thank you. Can you just give the Lord a thank you? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me 
the good way. A life of the beloved. In Jesus' name, amen.